What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Matt. I am joined by my special guest, Anthony, over here. Um, we call him Perry. He's beloved by our community. Um, Zach is unable to join us tonight, unfortunately, um, probably because of the heart attack that the 49ers nearly caused everybody. Perry, what did you think of the game, man? Wow. Well, you know, I talked about it before we even started the show. I mean, in our group chat, I kind of complained about the field goal attempt early on. <laughs> I was like, man, just go for it, you know? And then you and Christian and I think uh, Ollie, too, were like, points are going to be at a premium. And you know what? It kind of felt that way today, even the missed 26 to 23. I mean, it felt like every touchdown and every field goal was absolutely earned today and mis-earned because Gold missed one. The Bengals kicker missed one. There was punt fumbles everywhere going on. I mean, it felt like the Bengals fumbled the ball 10 times today. But, man, you know what? You know, you can gripe at every little thing, but at the end of the day, a win is a win. And holy cow, was it just absolutely heart-pounding, to say the least. And I was talking to one of my friends, and we were kind of saying that, you know what? As ugly as it was, it still was a good game. It, it was, you know, it was kind of scary, but it was a great game, and they just pulled it out of their ass. They definitely did. Um, so I'm pulling up the stats here for the game today, and it was it was a barn burner, man. Um, you know, going into the overtime, one of the things that I noticed was that the 49ers um, at the end of the game had 275 yards of offense, and I was just like, man, that's not going to get it done. They finished with 355. They really put it together at the end. Um, and, you know, time of possession, there was a difference of 27 seconds. This was a hard-fought game. Um you know, the 49ers defensive line came to play. I mean, Nick Bosa could have had like five sacks today if it wasn't for, you know, some penalties and some stuff like that. It, it's really interesting um, that, you know, it, it came so close. You know, you thought, okay, one of these teams is going to dominate one way or another. And the Bengals came out super flat. The 49ers couldn't run the ball. This was like the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. I thought the offenses were going to click and the defenses weren't just because of the injury situations, but it seemed like the off the, the opposite, the offenses weren't getting going and the defenses were what carried the day. Um, what can you say? And like, kind of speak to that whole thing. It, it seemed like it was unexpected. Do you agree? Yeah, you know what? When you look at a roster where you have Jer Bur Joe Burrow, who slings the ball very well, in my opinion, even in, you know dislocated pinky finger, he still threw really well. So you look at Burrow, you've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Uzama, the tight end, who isn't bad, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon. You look at that lineup against our secondary, and it's like, okay, the Bengals might legitimately score 30 points against our secondary alone. And, I mean, we talked about it all afternoon long, Matt. I mean, Ambry Thomas just – he he was he was okay, I guess. For his first start against, you know, in a playoff team, he was okay, but I'm not gonna disown anything. He was not good by any means. I mean Jamar it's Chase tough because you're a rookie, you know. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I don't wanna just burn him too much because he's a rookie. It's his first career start, I believe, and he just you know, Jamar Chase is just a different type of animal, but he did he held his own. Josh Norman, you didn't really see his name called upon too much, I guess, which is better than normal. I've been but, I've been waiting for Dylan. I've been waiting for Dylan to come in here because he's been he's been <laughs> look he's 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 amped waiting. up, and you should be. Look, look, it was a hell of a win. I'm very happy that the team won. Um, but don't lie, Dylan. You were sweating your ass off there for a second. Don't lie. Don't lie. We all were. We all were. When Robbie Gould pushed that field goal to the right off after yeah. an incredible Kittle catch, we were all like, oh, God, that's it. We're going to lose. Yeah, that's we're it right lose. there. Like, yeah. It just seemed like one of those things. And 
man, they were able to pull it out. So, Dylan, I'm almost kind of rooting for you to like win the jersey now. Like, I, I, I'm at the point where you're just, you know, you didn't come last week when they lost. You're kind of a front runner, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Welcome back. <laughs> we were all sweating. So, I got nothing but good feelings because, you know, we, we definitely, it was a hard fought win, man. Um, one of the things early on that I that I saw that I didn't like was Jimmy Garoppolo, man. He seemed to be same old Jimmy, missing high, missing, you know, um, I know people were, and this kills me, but people were getting on top of Travis Benjamin for not catching that pass. First of all, good on the DB for making a play, but that ball was criminally underthrown. I mean, Travis Benjamin had four yards of separation uh, and, you know, somebody said, oh, well, it was like 60 yards down the field. So, you know, like who else is going to make that throw? And it's like, well, OK, so either it was underthrown or Jimmy was late because Benjamin had the separation. So if you don't think you can get it there, don't throw it by all means. But yeah, burnt. And then another thing, too, is people expect Travis Benjamin to go out there and be like Mike Evans or like right. Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown. It's like, well, they called it a drop. And receiver. it was like the DB has literally has a hand on the ball, like on yeah. the ball. Oh, it was a great play. It, it right. was a great if it was play. Like, if it was like Emmanuel Mosley doing that to another player, they would have been like, oh, Emmanuel Mosley broke that thing up, man. Broke that right. thing up. Great play. But because it was our guy, it was like, oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, but I will say this about Jimmy. He pissed me off early. I thought he was holding the ball too long. He took a couple of ugly sacks, ones that I thought, man, those are those are the kind of things that are going to get you hurt. Um, but man, in in the two minute drill and in overtime, he did exactly what any of us could expect out of a out of a good quarterback. It, like he drove us down the field. And it kind of makes me wonder, should they just run no huddle all the time? Because I, I feel like the less Jimmy has to think about things, the better he plays. I've always liked two-minute drill Jimmy. I, I've kind of talked about that a little bit a while ago. I always thought that Jimmy G plays a lot better with urgency. And I think the offense as a whole plays a lot better with urgency too because they can just get things rolling, get things moving. Our good friend David Lombardi talks about rhythm all the time and – as much as I disagree with Lombardi, he does have a point when he talks about Garoppolo. He said our good friend. <laughs> when Garoppolo gets into rhythm, though, he can get moving, and he does move the offense really well. And that's that's kind of like my big thing is it always feels like that at times the offense is just so sluggish. And I know we want Shanahan as an offense, especially when they're running the ball, to just kill time. Like just kill time, eight, nine, ten-minute possessions at one time. That's what we like. But when the urgency needs to be there, it's not there all the time. And we finally got to see that in overtime. And, yeah, Garoppolo was still throwing some high balls like a Jennings and Kittle. But, damn, they still caught it regardless. And you can't knock that because he led a comeback drive. And, like you said, I think we all kind of thought that was a loss yeah. after the field goal. But they pulled it you out. You know what? I'm going to say this, though. Jennings, man, he looked pretty nice today. He Jennings up. looked good. Oh, he nutted up. Yeah. He, you know who didn't look good? Jeff Wilson Jr. Y'all got to miss me with Jeff Wilson Jr. Get out of here with that crap. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, I'm not on it, man. They need the real running backs. And I was actually disappointed that, you know, Jamichael H- Hasty did not have a carry today. They did not give him the no. ball once. He returned kicks and caught passes out of the backfield, and that was about it. But they did not, you know, he had three catches for 10 yards, no no running at all and i was it just kind of like i know jeff wilson averaged 4.3 yards per carry but the run game was not it today they were having a hard time and like i said going into late in the fourth quarter 
they were, you know, 275 yards of total offense compared to the Bengals who had 400 um, just about before the overtime period. And it's, you know, the Bengals really came out flat. They didn't take care of the ball. They look like what this team looks like. The 49ers look like when they play at Levi's and it was, it was kind of a weird situation. Um, But I, I feel like, you know, when push came to shove, the 49ers got it done, but I feel like it should have been an easier game than what it was. Do you think that do you think that Debo Samuel's running ability is a lot of the reason why the run game can be successful? Because Debo almost runs it better outside zone compared to like Jeff Wilson, who is an inside zone runner. They were running a lot of outside zone for sure. But even Debo, yeah. like he had eight carries for 37. And it and it's weird because he only had one catch. When they use him as the primary running back or like one of the primary runners, it seems like they get away from him in the passing game. And I don't necessarily like that. He was one of the fastest people to a thousand yards receiving in the NFL. And it feels like he's fallen off. And I know right. he had the w- one injury, but the last two games that he's played in, he's been predominantly more a runner than he actually the last three predominantly more a runner than he has been a pass catcher. And it's like, you're getting away from the things that make Debo Samuel good. And I understand that we have some running back injuries and that makes a huge difference, but I think they're wasting his potential. Um, with with what they're doing now it helps that george kittle just balls out like george kittle had an amazing game today an amazing game i mean he 13 catches for 151 yards and a touchdown like those are those are top flight wide receiver numbers those are prime julio jones deandre hopkins numbers and he looks fantastic today and i i even posted it in the chat since he came back from that calf injury that stint on ir he's looked like the best tight end in football easily he's been phenomenal but I do think that, you know, it's costing Debo Samuel a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, look, if you can get Debo Samuel involved in the offense by any means, like what Shanahan does, and it gets the offense moving, that's fine. But, mind you, it took the second half of the season to finally get Ayuk going as a wide receiver because everyone was saying, man, Ayuk's getting no looks, he's getting no targets, he's in the doghouse, and he had a really slow first half. That first half was also for Debo Samuel. We saw that's when he blew up. Now the table's kind of turned where, okay, like you said, Kittle comes off IR. I think he got the rest he deserves. He's healthy. But now Shanahan's utilizing Ayuk as a receiver more than Debo, letting Debo be a running back, and that's okay. But I still think Debo's skill set as a wide receiver complements Ayuk and Kittle well. And again, it has to do a lot with the injuries in the running back room. But at the same time, I mean, you see Debo going through the groin injury. He looked slow to start today. He, he did look pretty sluggish. And that kind of makes me wonder why Shanahan didn't use him more in the air, but still gave him eight carries on the ground, you know? So it, it's kind of a weird situation to be in. But I agree. I think Debo should be utilized more as a wide receiver. And if he's successful on the ground, so be it. But at the same time, it's just another one of those things where how sustainable is this? Because Debo Samuel goes down like we saw last week, and then you do have Jeff Wilson, and I'll be honest, you know Jeff Wilson's my guy, but you do have Jeff Wilson in there who isn't efficient. He 4.3, okay, that's respectable, but that's not what Shanahan wants. He doesn't want that. He wants five yards to carry. That's the goal. And you're not getting that out of Jeff Wilson, and you're barely getting that out of an injured Debo Samuel. It's not sustainable. It, it really isn't. You know, and I don't want to be so negative because they won and everything looked fine. But down the road, when it comes to crunch time and it really matters, is it going to be there? And well, yeah, and and you know when I feel like I feel like you're on board with me in the fact that every time Debo Samuel got a carry in the backfield and he was in traffic, it's like, dang, dude, is he going to tweak that groin right now? 
Like, is this going to be when he, because you want, you want Debo to work in space. That's when he's the best, but just running him as a, like a straight running back is not like, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. And you know, it's, it, I would like to see Debo outside. They have to definitely do a better job of utilizing the talent that they have. And I know they've had injuries, but you have to play to their strengths. Jeff Wilson looked his best when he was running between the guards. Like you need to run between inside with Jeff Wilson Jr. That's what he does. When they ran him to the outside, it was nothing doing. Um, and I feel like to not even give Jamichael Hasty even catch or carries is kind of I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, I would have saved I would have saved him for for uh I would have saved Debo Samuel pronouns, pal. Uh I would have saved Debo Samuel for for receiving. Um I do want to get to this hung fat Kittle player of the game. Zach was right. He definitely was right. But I will say this. For as great as Kittle played, I wasn't exactly wrong on Brandon Ayuk. Six catches, 60 yards, and that game-winning touchdown. So, you know, I, I feel like we were both right on this. And I'd like to say, I feel like I was also right on the Nick Bosa. I mean, he should have had three sacks and a forced fumble, but, you know, they took some of those away. All around, it. certain players played really well, but it was like up and down, right? We talked about Ambry Thomas struggled. We talk about Jeff Wilson Jr. He played okay, right? Kittle was phenomenal. Jimmy played well in two minutes, but outside of two minutes, he took some ugly sacks. Going forward, because the 49ers now are firmly entrenched in that sixth spot, that sixth seed uh, in the wild card, what do they have to do going forward to make sure that they can hold on to that and, and ride this momentum into the playoffs? They got to run the ball efficiently. And I mean, look, you look at the end of the day, they topped 100 yards, 4.3 carry, which is about league average. That's fine. But mind you, the Bengals fumbled two punt returns. Very, very lucky, I think. And I mean, those are lost possessions for an offense that could explode at any time. And we saw that with Jamar Chase twice. Chase almost had three touchdowns, except he dropped that one in the end zone. And that was really close. And this was one of those days where, you know what, Josh Norman didn't get his name called upon because it was Ambry Thomas that was getting the burn. If Mosley was on the field, Norman would have been the guy that just would have been toast. So the Niners just, I still think they got to run the ball efficiently. And it was an okay day. Garoppolo made the throws he needed. But it was also, oh, you know what wasn't talked about was the almost near, the near Jimmy throw interception that Jesse Bates had in overtime. That no one really talked about that much, but holy cow, did he? Right. That was ugly. That could have got, I I think it was, I actually think it was late fourth quarter. It wasn't overtime. Was it late fourth? Yeah. It was right before the Kittle play. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Where Bates just dropped it and he had nothing but green grass in front of him. And it would have been a pick six. And it was one of the ugliest throws. And we were like, holy crap, that was the one right there. That was the That could have gone back the other way. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, but that play speaks to Christian's comment here where he says, I wonder if Kyle scheming up only high efficiency passing for Jimmy, it hurts Debo in the passing game i do think that that's a little bit true you know and we talked about it earlier in the year that if anybody we talked about it in the preseason actually where if anybody was going to switch teams and go from a jimmy guy to a trey guy it was going to be debo because Debo's like i'm not just this gadget player i can go downfield and early in the season that's exactly what he was showing but now lo and behold we're back to debo being the gadget guy and he didn't get almost a thousand yards in the first nine games of the season to go and regress back to this gadget player, whatever. And I think it speaks to the fact that Kyle does need to keep Jimmy in, in a very rhythm and efficient type, 
you know, game. We talk about how good Jimmy was in the two minute, how good he was in the overtime. The worst throw that he made, that Bates, if you remember, that Bates throw came like right after a timeout and where they were in the huddle talking about it. You know, when they were running up tempo, no huddle stuff, Jimmy gets to be the one read guy. The defense has no idea because they don't have time to like sub out and get their packages in. And that benefits Jimmy. But I do think that it can hurt Debo Samuel because Jimmy is this rhythm guy. It's it's just not, you know, it it makes it tough, right? Because this offense has so much potential. But depending on the situation, Jimmy is either unleashed or he's very tethered. And there's no in-between with it. Yeah, I want to continue on the high the high efficiency thing because with Debo, we haven't really seen those short screen passes that he dominated with early on in the year and last season where it was a short screen pass right to the left or right and he gained like six or seven yards after the catch. That was kind of like Debo's thing, especially in 2020 when he was healthy and then early on this year too. And now the past few weeks, it feels like we haven't really seen that. So I don't know, maybe Shanahan just likes using him as a gadget player for the time being because like Christian says, you have him as a gadget player, it gives Jimmy Garoppolo the chance to be more efficient, especially on short passes intermediate or just an easy handoff to kind of take the pressure off of Garoppolo. But also at the same time, if you take – because you know Ayuk – how do I explain this? Ayuk – He's a deep ball receiver, right? He can be a deep ball, but Jimmy's not going to throw that. So you have Ayuk one-on-one in coverage if it's not. It's like deep ball or slant for for Ayuk. He's very good on the slant plays. He had a nice slant catch today. That was really good. Yeah. So my point being is when you have Ayuk one-on-one, Jimmy's probably not going to throw it. So then that leaves Kittle, right? Kittle has been a monster the past couple weeks. Odds are he's going to be bracketed or something up the middle where he's going to garner a lot of attention. So you have Debo in the backfield. Having Debo as a wide receiver in those situations would be a lot more helpful because it can get the offense moving. Like you say, the offense has a lot of potential, and I think it has even more potential when Debo's a wide receiver. I I honestly think that, and that's not to knock him as a running back, but having him as a wide receiver, because like you say, there's a reason why he had almost 1,000 yards in nine games because he's absolutely dominant as a wide receiver, and he just gets open. But you limit him as a running back to running back duties. I think it does limit his skill set quite a bit. And they're still making the most out of it. But I still think something like that holds the offense back quite a bit. Are you, you kind of on the same page with that? Yeah, I am. First of all, what's up, Melissa? We love having you here. Thank you for being back as always. And thank you to everybody else who's here right now. Um, we're talking about this this really tight 26-23 overtime victory from the 49ers. I do agree. It has a lot of potential. Here's the thing. And Dylan kind of says it in his comment. Those muff punts change the game. If the Bengals don't muff those punts, the 49ers probably lose this game. And when you're in the midst of a playoff hunt, you it, listen, we're week 14 now. Okay. The time for potential is past and the time for executing is here. We shouldn't be having these situations where, dang, man, Jimmy missed another one. Dang. Like down by the goal line where they got three late in the game when it was 17. I think it was 17 to six still. And they were about to go up. Um, it was going to be 24 to six. Jimmy missed a wide open Kyle Juszczyk. Just did not even look his way down by the goal line. It was a four yard pass. Easy pass. Everybody knew that Kyle, that Kyle Juszczyk was going to block and then leak out, but nobody covered him. And Jimmy just did not look his way. Um, uh, somebody in the chat wrote Stevie Wonder could have seen Kyle Juszczyk was that open and it was is one of those things where this is the type of play that Jimmy Garoppolo leaves on the table and it's got to be so frustrating for Kyle Shanahan um, the, the play to Travis Benjamin when they go and look at the tape 
best believe that Kyle Shanahan is going to face palm because of how open Travis Benjamin was. Y'all can kill Travis Benjamin if you want. That's some low IQ takes right there, and I'll I'll challenge anybody on that. The only re- listen, one thing led to another. Everybody said he dropped it. The DB got a play on the ball. Why did the DB get a play on the ball when Travis Benjamin had four yards separation? Because Jimmy Garoppolo criminally underthrew that ball. You know so, what's funny? You know what's funny though is when Jimmy launched that ball, I was like, no way. <laughs> I was like, no way. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 like, no, 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 no. And then I see Travis Benjamin stop. I was like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Yeah, he was it. running full stride, and then he stops. I'm like, incomplete. Yeah. Automatically. Yeah. Automatically. It looked like it was going to be a good throw at first, right? And then the ball just duck farts, yep. you know, for an incompletion. Melissa yeah, says, I, I hate real quick. admitting Tom, this, but Tom Compton came up huge with two key blocks on the touchdown drive for Debo. That one on the touchdown was savage, dude. He nasty. hustled his big ass nasty. out there, and yeah. he was like, I'm sealing this edge. Like, fantastic. Fourth, fourth quarter Compton was pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not the best. It was not the best. And Brunskill wasn't much better. Yeah, that right English side. special teams were awful. You know what? Richard Hightower was like, I'm saving my job this week, guys. Nobody was on the sideline happier than Richard Hightower, who was like, yes. I, except for every the gold missed field goal. Every time. <laughs> also, shout out to River Craycraft, who recovered a fumble on the day that he was activated. Like, he was activated for this game from the practice squad, and he came out and he did his job. And special team aces, there's a reason why River Craycraft, even if it's not here, is going to float around to different practice squads, always get a shot for a workout or whatever. That dude hustles. He might not have the best talent in the world, but that guy being there in that situation, very good. In terms of other special teams things, Jamichael Hasty, not the worst punt returner I've ever seen in my life. Or fair. kick returner, I should say. He did it pretty good. Pretty fair. He uh let me find it right now. He averaged 21 yards a carry, longest was 24 on kick returns. Punt returns four yards. But you know what? I mean, a punt return these days, any I think Ayuk was the primary punt returner and he was only back there once, but for yeah. kickoffs and stuff, like oh, he showed some, oh, sorry, he showed yeah, some he wiggle. Yeah, yeah, he showed some wiggle yeah. on the on the kick yeah. returns, and like I'm not mad at it, dude. Like yeah. what, normally, what we have, like I I saw more out of out of Jamichael Hasty today than I have out of Trent Cannon. And yeah, it's like just exactly. throw him back there, see what see what happens. Yeah, seriously. At least at least Shanahan will finally use Ayuk as a punt returner. Yeah, you know what? I'm All right, I, we're we're gonna address this just because people are bringing it up in the chat. I, I told Anthony before the show, I was like, "Hey, man, don't just like spit this out because it's like kind of sad." But, um, sh- you know, shout out to Dante Johnson who's dealing with a personal tragedy. Um, prayers up to him and his family. Like, we hope everything. You know, it's obviously a tough situation to deal with, but our thoughts and prayers are with you. So, whenever you get back, you know. So, shout out to everybody. To you know, just keep Dante Johnson and his family in your thoughts. Ju shouldn't be used as a wide receiver or a running back. At least a disaster. I don't know, man. Like I like Yuschek with the ball. I think he does a great job of getting out of the backfield. Um, I just, I just, I just don't that, think Jimmy sees him. You know, when they bring Yuschek on like first or second down, I almost wish it wasn't as obvious that it would be a passing play because when you see Yuschek, it kind of gives you an idea it's a passing down. But I think he's good in his limited role. You know, everyone yeah. says like, oh, he's the highest paid fullback. You got to give him four or five, six touches a game. Well, if he's throwing key blocks, and I'm fine with that too. You know, I think that's the big key, and that's why I would like to see him get some carries, though. Like, he doesn't get any carries, and it's just like, let him carry. Like, especially, not if he's playing, okay, so if he's back there in the tailback position, like, I don't want him to get carries, right? But, like, when he's in there in, like, eye formation or, like, split eye, and, you know, 
you're thinking, oh, it's going to go to Jeff Wilson Jr. because it's first down. If you can quick hit him with like a fullback dive occasionally, like do it. Do it. He's there for a reason. And like he's not trash. I mean, we know that he's talented and that he's good with the ball in his hands. Just occasional fullback dive, man. I want to bring this up because no one really talked about it, and I want your thoughts on this too. We saw one play today where Shanahan tried to get a little cute. I don't know if you remember, Ayuk went for the passing play that he ran yeah. for a few yards. And he didn't What'd pass it, and he ran for like five yards. Yeah. What would you think of that? Do you think Shanahan should just kind of cut those plays out? or? I think situationally it was okay. I was surprised that they only had one guy down the field. I thought that Kittle, so Kittle stayed in to block. I thought it would be an option route for Kittle where he like could check and release, but he didn't release. And so you're looking at like a bunch of offensive linemen that are obviously staying in pass protection, which kind of telegraphs what the play is. It's not my favorite, but we've seen it work before. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. has like four touchdown passes. So if you use it in the right situation, it's fine. I think the issue comes that your regular rushing attack wasn't working. So why do you think the defense was going to buy a gimmick running play? You know what I mean? I think it was pretty obvious when Ayuk got the ball that he was going to look to throw it. Yeah, it looked like it was telegraphed pretty poorly, but at least yards were yards and they came out of it. Yeah, but, for um, sure. I'm going to yeah. address this from, I'm sure it's Fantasy Guru. Um, Mosley went on IR, so he'll be out at least three weeks. That's the rule. Did he so go on hopefully, IR yeah. hopefully he'll be back for the end of the season, um, but... Because, I mean, listen, <laughs> when it came down to crunch time, the 49ers defense started to give a little bit. Fortunately, the pass rush was there all day to kind of keep Burrow uncomfortable. But, I mean, you're looking at, like, you know, T. Higgins had another fantastic game. He had five catches for 114 yards. Jamar Chase, five for 77 and two touchdowns. Like, the Bengals were able to pass the ball, and they the 49ers actually did a much better job against Joe Mixon, who averaged 3.2 yards a carry today on 18 carries than they did against the pass game. And I think that was kind of like one of the things that, that we were really looking at was like, man, can they contain Burrow? And Burrow did a great job. I mean, he wasn't super as effective as you, as you thought he would be, but I do really think that the turning point in the game was those two muffed punts. It took Burrow off the field and didn't let him start to establish a rhythm. And I, I think that was really the difference. So, Yeah, it um, was. He also says that the Atlanta game seems like a trap game. Do you agree with that? In 2019, I would have said yeah, because it was a trap game. Because and it I was, think yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the mindset that comes into this week. But it's a little different. I mean, Atlanta had nothing to play for in 2019. This season, they do. But also, two years is a big difference sometimes for teams. And you have a new head coach, Matty Ice, who has played pretty terrible. The Falcons don't really have any offensive weapons outside of Kyle Pitts, and he's been underutilized. So on paper, you go, okay, yeah, this might be a type of game where the Niners should easily win this. But you never know. But I think when you put pressure on teams more, especially since the Falcons are in a playoff position to try and sneak in as a wild card, it changes the dynamic entirely. And now that you have the Niners, 7-6, and six, good momentum, a lot of reason to win, I it can come off as a trap game, but I think this would be like a – It'll be like a one, like a 10 point type of game. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't call it a draft game because Atlanta has a reason to play and win. Yeah. I mean, you know, and Atlanta has, I think they're a, what, a six win team or something like that. Yeah, I, I will say this Atlanta's beaten some really bad teams. They beat the, 
I think they they beat the Dolphins, who are, are now like they beat the Dolphins early. So like when the Dolphins were kind of struggling or whatever, they beat the Jets. Um, you know, they beat the Jaguars. They beat the Panthers twice. Um, it or I'm sorry, once. Um, they've had I don't know. They've had kind of a weak schedule, in my opinion. Um, especially you're looking at the team that's, you know, they don't have a ton of weapons, especially since Calvin Ridley kind of like took a break. The def- Falcons defense has never been that good. I think the 49ers, if they go in and play a good game and, and do we know, is it, is it at Levi's? Cause that's going to be, yeah. Okay. So that's the worrying part to me. It's not the Falcons. It's how the 49ers play at Levi's. If that makes sense, they just come out flat all the time at that stadium. That stadium is not a good place for them. Um, I do think that they can come out and win. They just have to take care of business. Um, and it helps when we talk about Nick Bosa, who's at 14 sacks now. Crazy. He's, I mean, he's got to be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. Um, comeback player of the year for sure. It, it's one of those things where it's just like, man, he looks good. And even though he had a couple of sacks taken away, I think there was a half sack that they ended up giving to Ebicom. Um, There was the sack that he had that was called back because Ambry Thomas had an illegal hand to the face. Right. He was all over the place, man. Yeah. He was all over the place. So I want to touch on the Falcons thing just real quick. So they've beaten the New York Giants, the Jets. Okay. Yeah. The Dolphins. Some, some bad teams. The Trevor Semyon Saints. Yes. Uh, the Jags and now the Panthers. Yeah. With, and that's part of it. The, the NFC South is like uh, outside of the Bucks. That entire vision, division is kind of bad. They're not yeah, great. It is. They're right. not great. Right. So, and I mean, you look at the Niners where it's like against, so now against the NFC West, they're one and five, or I'm sorry, one and yeah. four. All other teams, they're six and And this goes to the fantasy guru's point that the Seahawks are weak, but we lost to them twice. Uh, division games are different. Division Way games different. are different. And Way now different. with this win against the Cincinnati Bengals, the 49ers are six and two out of division. It's huge. Yeah, that's that's what I was just going to say. Six and two. That's or six and one, right? Six and two. Six, six and two. two. Yeah, six and two. They're one and four inside of the division, mm-hmm. um, with their lone yep. win coming against the Rams. It's listen, division games are weird, man. Division games are super weird. You never know what you're gonna get. You play the teams twice. They're the teams you always know the best. You're always paying the closest attention, particularly in the NFC West, where it's like Cliff Kingsbury is a you know is a guy that you know is cool with McVay. McVay is definitely cool with Shanahan because they were coaches together. Pete Carroll is the old head in the division who's like watching out for these young bucks. They study each other. Make no bones about it. The, the division opponents are who you study the most. So those are the guys you prepare for every single year to play twice. And so those, those games always tend to be the most competitive. They tend to be, I mean, Raiders chiefs today, notwithstanding, but they typically tend to be the most you know competitive. They typically tend to be the most chippy, the ones that get sloppy, Anything can happen in division games, but outside of the division, the 49ers are really good. So point taken that the Seahawks are weak and we lost to them, but outside of the division, the 49ers against a pretty weak Falcons team should be able to take care of business at home. Yeah, that leads into their schedule too. I mean, they got the Falcons next week, short turnaround Thursday night against the Titans, then the Texans. We're vulnerable, by the way. The Titans struggle. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, it took four Trevor Lawrence picks to kind of seal that game for the Titans. And they it was a close one. game. And they they're very one. vulnerable without Derrick Henry. They're a completely different team. But right. then after that, right, they have the Houston Texans, correct? Yeah, they do. Yep. Yeah. Those are all with those three games are super winnable going into the last game of the season 
against the Rams, they could be, uh, uh, you know, they could be sitting at 10 and six going into the la- la- last game of the season. So they're firmly yeah. in control of six right now. And they, if they can win out and do their thing, they can hold on to it. Exactly. And I mean, if the Rams lose tomorrow night, cause they got Monday night football. I mean, we're talking to one game. They're, they're one game back of the Rams for the fifth spot. And Hey, yeah. you know, Division games are crazy. Playoff picture is always crazy. They you yep. never know. You never know. Exactly. And I'm going to be at that second Rams game, so I'm really excited about that. Get to go it's, check out that spaceship stadium. Yeah, that's going to be sick. It's going to be but sick, uh, dude. Fan, Fan Nasty says he wished Trey Lance got a few snaps. What do you think, Matt? It's hard. It's hard because Kyle has come out and said that like it's hard to, to you know do the play calling the way that it is. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and I, me and Zach talked about this, in terms of the Trey Lance package, that thing's gone. We're not, we're not going to see that. Other than when he started, when Jimmy was injured, that was the last we saw Trey Lance in game. We're not going to see anything else from him unless the 49ers are um, either eliminated from the playoffs or if the 49ers and Rams both went out and that last game of the season doesn't matter for seating position, I could see Trey Lance getting some reps just to like play him and get him like whatever and give your starters a little bit of rest or whatever before they have to go the next week to play. You know, you could see Jimmy play. Oh, oh, Jimmy's going to play for a half. And then like we're going to take the rest of the game off to get ready for our wild card matchup or whatever because seating doesn't matter. Those are the two scenarios that I could see. They're either out or they're going to, uh, you know, play people that they need to get reps because the starter everything's set and it doesn't matter either way but if it's close and they're within a half like if they're within one game it it will be like a playoff game because the 49ers with a win would hold the head-to-head tiebreaker 2-0 over the rams and they would get that fifth seed which is going to be a little bit more beneficial for them obviously Right, but I don't know, man. I mean, if the Niners can have a lower seed and be a better road team than home team, if that's what it comes down to, then I don't think man. at five they would get a home playoff. Obviously, because that's still so only one. So the playoffs is different this year in that only the one seed gets a bye. Right. So two plays seven, three plays six, six and four, four plays five. Yeah. So either way, if the 49ers don't win a division, they're going to be a road team. But it's the difference between playing somebody like, you know, the Packers or, uh, you know, the whatever the Bucks versus playing. I don't know who the or or like because Cardinals are the one seed right now. So it's like, right. you know, you want to play the Packers, or the Bucks, or do you maybe want to play a very vulnerable Dallas Cowboys team? That's yeah. what you're looking at. Right. And so it becomes a matchup thing. And I think that that you know for the 49ers, it would be I, I'm almost guarantee you they match up better with the Cowboys than they do with the Bucks or the or the Pack. Well, I don't know. They match up pretty well with the Packers, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took one, you know, two throws from Aaron Rodgers to win that game yeah. for them. So I mean, you know, um, like- Aaron Paul asks any update on Al Shire. All I know it's an elbow injury. He's going to have an MRI on it, so yeah. that's concerning that they need to have an MRI. But um, yeah. Not great because he's been having a good season. Hopefully, it's something that even if it there is an injury there, it's something that he can brace up and play with. He already plays with that one gigantic brace on the other arm. So he we'll had see. a hell of a day today, though, and I didn't realize he that. did. He I, did. I didn't even realize he got a sack. He had eleven total tackles. The guy just—I mean, what what's the word on Greenlaw? Did Greenlaw just miss today's game? With the he did. He okay. did. He has. Um. He tweaked that groin again. So okay. it's. 
He's not on injured injured reserve, so they're taking it like day by day, week by week, or whatever. Right. So, right. Um, and then the, the other injuries today, um, Kittle. They said reported that he put a sleeve on the calf. Um, I don't know what that was. People were saying that you know because of the way that DB's tackle he got rolled up on or whatever. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, Fred Warner got retaped. He twisted an ankle, which I saw. It was like you know the normal like oh I turned my ankle taking a bad step or whatever. So he should be fine going forward. Um, and then who was it? There was a oh Ambry Thomas had a head injury. He did not return to the game. So right, right. I think it was right. telling though that Ambry Thomas got all of the reps. And and Diamondor Lenore, Lenore did not. Yeah, over Lenore. Well, everyone's yeah. saying the past you know a few weeks while Thomas has been down, he's looked pretty good in practice. So I mean, you know, I don't know how telling that is yeah. towards Lenore versus Thomas, but I mean, Thomas didn't look that good today. <laughs> if you're judging it by draft position, Thomas should probably be the better player anyway. Um, right. And I don't. So I'm not. A lot of people are going to kill Ambry Thomas for this game. I'm not. He's he's a guy that's only gotten special teams reps. He didn't play in 2020. He opted out because of the COVID year. Um, so he's in there. He's trying to learn. He needs reps to be able to play against the offense. And you're asking him to guard Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, who are both really good wide receivers. Oh, yeah. And then By Tyler the way, Boyd, Tyler too. Boyd. Tyler Boyd is your third guy. <laughs> He'd be like a number two on any other team. Who's right. the third option? Tyler Boyd would be like, yeah, right up there on this team. I mean, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are outstanding, but like, on most people, it's just, you know, it's right. one of those things. So, yeah, that's what I said earlier. Like, you can't knock Thomas that much. He's a rookie. It's his first full game. Right. He's and guarding, like Ian, but... Ian Sharp says he got thrown in the deep end of the pool. He did. It was like yeah. he was standing, looking in the pool, and Kyle Shanahan just went just like, pushed him. <laughs> pushed him in. <laughs> pushed him in. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's, it, it is what it is. Talking it is about the is. defense as a whole, though, what do you think of D'Amico's play calling? I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I do agree with Ace Bro when he says that I hated that Tart was out and had Hufanga in coverage when Chase scored. That's one thing. That touchdown was particularly like it was weird, right? Because it's just like, dude, Hufanga, like when you see him near the, the sideline, just hip check him and throw him out of bounds. Like he can't reestablish and, and touch the ball. So like you're good. Right. But right. it seemed like maybe Hufanga thought he went out of bounds and just kind of gave up on the end of that play. Um, that was a touchdown that it's just like, man, you cannot give that one up. Um yeah. I know that Tart had a pretty sweet hit on Mexican, though. I will say that. Yeah, I was thumped. And then the uh, the K1 corner blitz call, too. That was a great play. That was a great call. So it was mixed. So, like, there were were certain plays where it was like, okay, this is really good. But then there were other plays. Like, there was a a post route, um, or I'm sorry, a corner route that Higgins ran where Ambry Thomas was in coverage and Ambry was in a zone and he didn't drop his zone deep enough. Anybody who's followed Ambry Thomas, and I'm a Michigan guy, so like I follow Michigan football. Ambry Thomas is a man corner. He's not a zone corner. So you need to be playing him in man coverage. To ask him to to do that zone there with another rookie Hufanga in the back, you're just asking for trouble. So situationally, I think there are areas where D'Amico Ryans can improve. But then again, D'Amico Ryans is a rookie defensive play caller. So... There's a lot of growing pains here. It does give me hope for the future that they're at least like doing this kind of stuff because honestly, for most of the day, the defense did a really good job keeping the Bengals under wraps, even with the the injuries. Um, you know, even with Ambry Thomas out there, Josh Norman did a pretty pretty damn good job today. No no 
PI penalties on him. Although one was definitely a PI, they didn't call it, but there's always one. Yeah. Um, but I thought they did a pretty good job overall. I wasn't upset with, with how they did it. Um, I think that though really where the, the game was decided was those turnovers because the offense today I thought was actually the worst half of the ball. Yeah, Hunk Fat said it in the chat too that uh, why did the Niners offense go missing in the second half? So if you disclude the overtime today, the Niners have had three points the last two games in the second half. Yeah. I don't know if that's just – I mean, like, let me hear what you think first <laughs> before I, I think it's adjustment. Too. I think it's adjustment. Adjustments. I think that the 49ers do, do their offense one particular way well. And beyond that, if you can adjust to that one thing they do well, you're going to shut them down. And when they have the week to prepare, hey, this is what we're going to do situationally. And, you know, you think you're prepared, right? It's one thing to go, oh, man, like I'm going to baseball reference here, guys. Uh, I'm going to walk, you know, walk out there and I'm going to go and I'm going to face uh, Walker Bueller of the Dodgers, right? He throws 95. It's got some movement on it. No big deal. There's one thing preparing for that. Oh, he throws 40% fastballs, right? There's another thing to sit in the box and see it come at you. So I think at the beginning of the games, Kyle has his plan. Teams think they're ready. They're not. But once you start getting a feel for it, okay, Debo Samuel is this fast. Brandon Ayuk is this fast. Now I see this movement head-to-head, not just on film. It's right in front of me. The players and coaches make adjustments, and that's been what's hard because the 49ers have to do what they do. And this is part of what we talk about with the 49ers where Jimmy is either unleashed or he's extremely limited. The two-minute drills provide something different because you don't know what you're getting, right? They have to do one one of many things, and you don't have time to sub. You don't have time to sit there and stare at what their personnel is. They're getting to the line real quick, you know, and, and getting the ball out. When they're huddled, you're like, okay, they have three wide receivers in the huddle. They only have one running back, no no fullback. They have one tight end. We know what this, this personnel is going to be. Based off of this, this is what we think is going to happen. Whereas in a no huddle, it's like, no, they're just they're just going. And the play's coming in, and we don't know what it is, and we just have to kind of like match up. And you can't run these intricate zones. You can't run these intricate blitzes in this point. You really, really have to just match up to your guy and be like, okay, I got to cover this guy because we don't have time to sit here and be like, based off of the motion that they're running, you know, it becomes a whole technical thing. And this is why two-minute favors the offense. The offense knows exactly what they have to do, and they can do it quick, whereas the defense has to react. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I agree 100%. And back to your baseball reference, it's a lot of the reason why in baseball you don't see a lot of complete gains these days because by the time you're in the second time through the order, hitters adjust. They know, okay, this is what can I expect. This is the speed he's throwing. Just like you say with Ayuk and Debo, this is how fast I know they're running. This is what the routes look like. And then you look at Shanahan's play calling where it's like, okay, this is what inside and outside zone look like, et cetera, et cetera. So teams do adjust and the Bengals did do a very good job of adjusting in the second half. But then at the same time, you also look at Garoppolo and you look at what he missed out on the field. Like the use check touchdown, that should have been an easy touchdown that he missed. A lot of the high throws that were really like really lucky completions, you know what I mean? So you kind of look at that and you go, okay, well, how much of it is adjustments versus how much is the offense really missing? And we know what Garoppolo is, Matt. We know <laughs> we know what he's going to go out there and hit versus not hit. But I do agree with you. I think for the most part that 
I feel that's been kind of Shanahan's story throughout his tenure is that that second half has been pretty sluggish. It's just like the red zone. It took Shanahan about three years to finally get some good red zone play calls in place because his red zone efficiency early on in his tenure was pretty bad. But now that he's gotten better, he can kind of capitalize and understand how that works more. But did you see the more. did you see the crazy stat by the way talking about like red zone efficiency and all that? Did you see the crazy stat at the end of the first half where it was like the 49ers are second in the NFL in 2 minute points? They have like 50 points on 2 minute drills this season. That's crazy. It's super crazy, it. man. <laughs> I, I, and that's is. what Jimmy Garoppolo, you know. That, All right, we got to get to our oh, super hi. chat from Hung Fat 499. Thank you so much, Hung Fat. We love having you here. You've been one of our biggest supporters. He says, Great show, guys. Can we hear one hot take out of each of you from today's game? Tall task, I know. Um, do you want to start? No, you first. <laughs> you first. <Me> first. <laughs> All right, the 49ers will not win another playoff game if they have to keep running Jimmy Garoppolo out there because I don't think that when the things get tight. It's like the NBA playoffs, right? Regular season teams, you're all well and good. You can score some points. But when you're up against the best of the best, those games get a lot closer. They get a lot tighter. And I just don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo has what it takes to get us past the wild card. So even if we make it, we're not going to win any games. Man, I would say uh, hot take, hot take, hot take. If the man, I've been kind of sitting on this one for a while. I think that if the Niners can't play a perfect game in the playoffs, Shanahan can't call a good enough game to win. Because it feels like – and the reason why I say that is because in 2019 and 2020, for example, a lot of the story was like the success of the plays. Shanahan's calling a great game. But then I don't want to dive too much into Grant Cohn because a lot of it is very hot takey. But I try to look into some of the things, and he'll say, Kyle Shanahan's not calling plays with confidence, or Kyle Shanahan's calling plays like he's scared, or he's only playing for a field goal. And I may not agree with that stuff all the time, but also, too, you look at what Shanahan does on fourth down, for example, and there's some times when you go, oh, my, why didn't he go for it on fourth down? Or you look at the clock management sometimes when it's like, dude, what is this clock management? I think we – I think Today was weird. It was at the end of the fourth right? quarter, it was yeah. really weird. They got that pass. Right. It was inbounds, and instead of letting it go to like four seconds and calling timeout, they ran like two plays where Jimmy just threw it away. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like, right, wh- exactly. why? Yeah, you did. It's not like you ran the ball and then took timeout to like set Gould up for like whatever. You had the ball in the left hash the entire time. You threw the pass incomplete out of bounds, which means it's still going to be on the left hash. Right, it doesn't exactly. move. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those ty- I agree with you. Those type of things are really puzzling, and I don't right. understand what that's all about. Right, and when you look at that, and then you look at 2019 Super Bowl, and then you look at when games are tight, when it gets tight, Shanahan kind of stiffens up. You know, it feels like he just can't. It's too tight for him. And I'm not. I don't want to say the moment's too big because he has made it to a Super Bowl and he came, you know, within a half of winning. I think he gets cute. Yeah, he does. I think he does get very cute. Like, think about today. Like, we hammered. Okay, Jimmy had that underthrow to Travis Benjamin. Like, that's fine or whatever. But why are you drawing that play for Travis Benjamin to begin with? That's part of that. Like, it's the little things, right? It's it's too cute. I, I agree with you. That's a very good point. And that's when I think the whole thing is like, is Kyle Shanahan gets his own, in his own way. And I think that if the Niners can't play a perfect game, like the Packers and the Vikings were just everything is clicking and you don't really have to rely on Shanahan. You know what I mean? Like if everything's clicking, Shanahan can call an easy play for an 80 yard most touchdown, right? Like against the Vikings, then it's like, okay, you know, Shanahan didn't have to do much. 
But when you're down by one score, up by a field goal, and things get tight, Shanahan gets way too cute. You look at things like in the end of the game, it's like, could Debo Samuel have been used more? Where was the run game? You know, I know you relied on Garoppolo, and it's all these little technical things like Travis Benjamin too, where it makes you go, what's you know, what's clicking in the head there that makes you think, okay, this is the play for Benjamin. Like, where's the play for Ayuk, or where's the play for Kittle to dial up something like that? And that's just what makes me question: is can Shanahan stay out of his own way? And that's why it also makes me think that they need to have a perfect game to win. And like like today, I mean, today by no means was perfect. It was more lucky than perfect. No. And you get to the playoffs, man. It, baseball, we both can attest to this. Baseball playoffs, different atmosphere entirely. Football, basketball, basketball is the exception where it's like, okay, you know, the one seed's going to kill the eight seed. But football, it's like, it's almost like anything goes. And you can't, there's more skill involved with the playoffs than luck. And sometimes yeah. shit happens. But at the end of the day, the better team wins. Exactly. Today, the Bengals would have won if they hadn't fumbled twice. Fumbled, right. Yeah. yeah Ian Sharp says, why not just run the ball in those two plays, give gold a better chance possibly? They couldn't exactly do that. Um, when Kittle caught the pass, there was 10 seconds left. So in that aspect of it, <laughs> They, they didn't have time to run any more plays. What I'm saying is, like, why run the two plays anyway when you called timeout? Just let the clock run down to four and call timeout, and then you're not running two extra plays. You're not letting – I mean, because think about it this way. We all know that kickers can be a little bit um, mercurial uh, in, in a sense where they're going to get in their own head. You're running two extra plays for Robbie Gould to think about the game-winning field goal rather than just calling timeout and letting him run out there and do it. So – that might be part of it. Um, Edgar, welcome to the show. Um, bang Kittle. I mean, he was great today. Um, real quickly, guys, I'm not going to do what Zach does because I really can't, but I I do want to put the stuff at the bottom. Mybookie.ag, um, promo code Hive, go there. They got a bunch of promotions that they're doing with us. You can play some bets, prop bets. I think I won my prop bet. I said whoever had the lead at halftime was going to win. The 49ers had it. Um, that turned out for me. Um, Zach had the defensive touchdown one. I don't think he got it. So, you know, easy come, easy go. Um, moving on, let's talk about our gold stamp. Acre Gold. Get gold for as little as $50 a month. It's our little gold stamp. I love it so much. It looks really cool. Don't lick it and put it on an envelope, though. That won't work. Um, yeah, all this, all this promo codes. 81 Vino. We're going to throw that on there. We still love to support Terrell Owens. He's a 49er legend. Go and drink 81 Vino, uh, Code Hive. And then finally, we're going to put up 49ershive.com, Code RGS15. Uh, That's your code to shop 49ers Hive. We just got the George Kittle placing the ornament on the tree. Um, It's a pretty dope shirt. You guys should check it out. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. And then obviously, like and subscribe. We love having you guys here. So going forward, Perry, let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Um, real quickly, the 49ers win if. Go. The 49ers win if they could force turnovers. And, I mean, that's that's kind of been Shanahan's thing the past few years where we haven't seen too many turnovers. Even 2019, when the turnover spike for them was up, it still wasn't at the level that we were kind of hoping for with adding Bosa and, and doing all those kind of things. So – I would say forcing turnovers, obviously limiting turnovers is another key thing, but if I'm sticking to one, it's forced turnovers. It feels like that 
when the Niners forced turnovers like today, the two fumbles resulted in 10 points. I wish those fumbles would be two touchdowns, but points are points, and sometimes that's the difference, and the Niners were able to capitalize off that. If you can't get those added points due to another team's mistakes, there's a bevy of mental things going on when you force turnovers. I mean, if you're the other team and you're going, you know, shit, that's a turnover, that's a touchdown, now we're down, now we're demoralized, now we got to play from behind. And then the Niners know what to expect. And I know Burrow passed for over 300 yards, but you can pin your ears back and sit against the pass. So turnovers forces a different type of strategy going into the game and when they happen. So for me, going in next week, force TOs and come out with a victory. All right. For me, it's going to be real simple. This was another game where the 49ers were just absolutely piss poor on third down. They can win this game if they can convert on third down. They were 5 of 15 today. And I know that I'm the guy, like you know, you just said, it's always about win the turnover battle, win time of possession. But now that the 49ers have been doing that recently, now you got to start being more efficient on third down. It just has not been good. Another day today where they were, again, 33% on third downs traditionally on the season, the 49ers are in the bottom third of the league in third down conversions. They're just not a good third down team. And you need to extend these drives to keep your defense off of the field and get them some rest. So that way, when they come back on Matt Ryan's not in a rhythm, the defense can go out there and harass and harangue him on passing downs. And then you're looking at putting them in situations where it's third and long and their third down efficiency is not that great. They have to figure out a way to maximize what Garoppolo can, you know, kind of do and 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 limit his mistakes, limit his propensity for on third and long to either take an ugly sack, which he took multiple times today, or try to force the ball to the outside, which we also saw. Um, and it's just it's one of those things. Like you the best teams are good on third down. And you don't have to be like 75% on third down, but you can't be 33%. That somewhere around like half the time you do, half the time you don't. But that's where you're going to be in that upper echelon. Right now it's not it and they need to figure it out quickly if they're going to win against Atlanta. Yeah, last thing I want to jump on with that too is I think there's a pretty good correlation between third down efficiency and time of possession. Because if you're converting on third downs, man, you are just holding on to that ball. It sets up your offense. It demoralizes the defense. You can run more plays. It opens that playbook entirely. And it's frustrating for defense. So the longer you hold that ball, the more you convert on third downs, the easier it is for your offense to hold the ball for eight, nine, ten minutes, tire out a defense, and then you have our defense rested, and then you can really go out, harass Matt Ryan, and come out with a victory. It's huge. Exactly. All right. We're going to be wrapping it up here shortly, guys. Um, Perry, I want to get your final thoughts on today's game. Um, overall, what do you think? Um, and and what do you think the 49ers can do to improve going forward so that this team can, you know, make the playoffs? Because that's what, that's what we want, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think it's the pass rush. I think it's absolutely the pass rush. And I know Norman and Ambry Thomas didn't do too well today. But, you know, without five sacks from Joe Burrow, this could have been a 400-yard day for Burrow. It was almost set up to be that way, but it wasn't because Bosa, Key, Ebukam, Shire, all those guys were getting pressure all afternoon. So if that defense just stays hungry, they stay rested, force turnovers, force pressures, and Matt Ryan isn't good under pressure. Matt Ryan's offensive line, once again, has not been good this year. So if you can just go and get after Matt Ryan, just – Call it a day, you know. I mean, today was another one of those days where it's like, fuck, thank God we have Bosa, you know. Right. Because outside of him, it's like, who knows? So exactly. So, so Bosa, defensive player of the year. Bosa, Depoy, and Sepoy. 
You know, I mean, set up a comeback player, but I'm not saying it's like a like you need five sacks to win the game, but it's like right. get three sacks, get a ton of pressures. Yeah, let let Bosa That's get. That's the up thing. He gets a ton actually. of pressure, right? Like he's right. always there. He's always in the face of the quarterback. He's making plays. It, yeah. You need a guy that's very disruptive, I think is the word. And Bosa is imminently disruptive every week. Yeah, exactly. But just get pressures and call it a day. Matt Ryan is by no means what he used to be. He's old. <laughs> He's decrepit. Yeah. Atlanta looks very dysfunctional, in my opinion. And just just get pressures and come away. That's it. E- even if Garoppolo throws two INTs, man, I still just want to see pressures. And, oh, don't put and that out there in the world. world. Don't do that. Oh, if I put it out there, then it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, I know. I called it yesterday. I, I said Bengals are going to win, and I was like, this is a reverse jinx type of thing. So I was right. Maybe I'll just pick the Falcons next week just to kind of continue the. It's not. It's not weird if it works. Remember that old commercial with the with the superstitions and stuff. It's not weird if it works. Um, Anthony, tell the people where they can find you. At everyone, Zach, who's not here with us, unfortunately. Thank you guys so much for having me on for another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. You know, I love being on these live shows. I love when Matt and I can be together and we actually agree. Because <laughs> that's Absolutely. what it's fun between that we actually agree, man. But it was a great show. Guys, follow me on Twitter at It's, it's Anthony Brett all together. Um, I do Twitch streams. I'm trying to mix sports and video games all together because I don't think it's something that mixes well enough. And although video games are popular, video games and sports talk, unfortunately, isn't popular enough so that's really something i want to build up so follow me on twitch follow yeah. me on twitter at this uh handle right here it's all the same guys thank you so much and matt take it away for us yeah absolutely you know what we need to get uh like a 49ers hive like group session together on like destiny or like halo or something and and yeah, kind of just yeah kind of just shoot shoot the shit as it were um about the 49ers when we play i think that would be kind of cool um i'm looking actually um uh, pretty soon to do twitch as well i know we have a little bit of a presence on twitch we'd like to grow that so absolutely guys today it was an awesome win um it was a heart-stopping win i know we were all stressed out but thank you as always for joining us uh we love having you here um go ahead like subscribe follow the channel we're bringing you content every single week we'll see you back here next week for the preview show 49ers falcons so with that being said until next time go niners